with Alex Jones. Alex, you were just on the show, Life on the Rock, and talking about a, an app you co-founded, developed, uh, called Halo. And on the show, we didn't have enough time to get in your backstory and your own kind of conversion experience and, and your own growth in a life of prayer. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about that some on this podcast. Yeah. So tell us about that story. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, so I, I was raised Catholic in the sense that my uh, saint of a mother dragged me to Mass despite my best efforts on Sunday. Um, and I, I was thankful enough to go through all the sacraments. But as soon as I was in high school and college, I very quickly became agnostic or I probably would have called myself atheist. But and you were at Notre Dame. Right? Yeah, I was at Notre Dame. So it was still a it's still a real Catholic community there. Yeah. But um and I would I would uh don't want to exaggerate it. I would still go to mass every once in a while, but if I had to pick a philosophy that I thought was true, it probably was a Sam Harris or Richard Dawkins or one of the new atheists. Um Let me ask you, yeah. why is that? You're in you studied engineering. Yeah. Was it kind of a science thing or was there other reason that would push you into atheism? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, the I think there were two things going on. The one is, um, and probably what I would have said at the time is, you know, I didn't see any evidence. I was kind of coming from an engineering background and so and science background. And so it was like, you know, you only believe in the things that you have physical evidence for. And um but the bigger thing, to be totally honest, going through high school, it's just like the cooler, it probably, if I had to guess, the, the uh, majority of my friends and the religion was not a major part of any of their lives and they were actively atheist. And so it was definitely an influence of, of friend groups, mostly in high school. In college, it was a little bit more diverse. And so it was, it was interesting there, but it was definitely a social thing as well. Well, the friend group, was that computer nerds or is it gamers or what was it? no it was just uh i wasn't uh i wasn't i'm nerdy but i wasn't super nerdy in high school uh so it and it was a super small school so it was you know we played sports and stuff so it was people yeah. hanging out the baseball players i played baseball for most of it and so that was a bunch of it or people i was dating or any of that and it was kind of just this i mean it is like scientism which is you know science is true it's been proven by by the inventions of our time that it works and uh, we can only trust what science gives us. So that was kind of that was kind of where I yeah. was. You know, sometimes I wonder if that's like the big because I've heard Cardinal Newman talk about like modernity. Uh, I've read something about it where he said that modernity's big failing is this embrace, a growing embrace of atheism. And he was saying this eighteen hundreds. But this is like unique in man's history that you know men may have chased after pagan gods, but at least they believed in something, and it set them up into some kind of position of humility. Now, with the super growth of technology and a growing wealth of in society, um, it kind of feeds, I think, this atheism, which is kind of unique in our history. <laughs> I think. Um... I think that's, I, I think I might, I might disagree with that slightly, which is, uh, and I think it's, I think it's true at the surface level when you look at any of the, any of the studies of, of anything that's going on, except for this one strange thing, which I think is really encouraging for uh, us as a church and for 
especially the, the work that we're trying to do. But when you look at atheism and agnosticism over the last 30, 40 years in the U.S. specifically, which is where you would guess that it's the biggest, it um, has grown only if you, uh, but not if you include uh, the category of spirituality. So if you look at people who consider themselves religious, it's dropped from 65% to 55% over the last like eight years, which is a huge drop, um, crazy fast and super scary. But it's almost all been replaced by a growth in spiritual but not religious, not a religious, mm -hmm. so not atheist or agnostic. That's maybe grown by one or two percent, but it's still like three or four percent of the population respectively. Mm -hmm. And so it's still relatively small. If you look at that chart, it's almost totally replaced by whatever spiritual but not religious means, which I, you know, is, is at one point a little depressing, but uh, on the other hand, kind of exciting, which is we might not be saying there's an actual God out there that we worship or a specific set of beliefs that people worship, right. but there is this hunger for spirituality. Right. And I think you see it in like the uh, desire for purpose at work in millennials, like, hey, right. we really need a mission-driven work culture, right. or we really need uh, like meditation or yoga or any of these things that are exploding. I think it is this search for spirituality, but just outside of the context of religion, which is, uh, you know, sad, but, but I think also an opportunity. You know, as I get older, I, uh, you know, I, that question about I'm spiritual, not religious, but I think I always, to me, it just strikes me, and I, I understand, I think to some degree why people would say that, but it's like, to me, it strikes me as very naive that, you know, to think that I'm going to really going to hold myself accountable, challenge myself, if I'm just doing this basically on my own, um, without external pressures on me or inspirations or challenges, you know, and you just even to have a practice. I mean, look at like the sports world today. I just heard, just heard this guy talking about football and he's talking about the development of like youth football programs, seven on seven and higher level coaching. And these quarterbacks are coming out of the college much more developed and they can start in the NFL and all this stuff. That's training, that's practice, that's repetition, that's mm -hmm. being coached. And I think the parallel is in our religion that you receive coaching, training, practice, mm -hmm. you know, that you need. And just look at the spiritual side, just, you know, the sacraments, the sources of grace. But I don't know. It just, I, and I understand why a young person wouldn't get that. But. No, no, no. I think it's, I think you're absolutely right, which I, you know, before, and this is, we didn't necessarily get into the conversion part of it, but before I would have, I would have probably argued with it, but now I, now I totally agree. But it's, um, the thing about trying to be whatever spiritual but not religious is, is a totally new attempt to say, okay, well, I'm going to divorce whatever this spirituality is from a belief system and from a community and from practices that can support me. So you're saying, okay, I'm going to take away guidance, I'm going to take away leaders, and I'm going to take away a community of support, and I'm going to take away a belief system. But you can't, you can't take away a belief system. You're always going to have something you believe. It's just whether you say there's a God or there's not a God or whatever, you know, it's the line, you're always worshiping something. It's just uh, whether it's God or not. And so you're always going to have some type of thing that you believe, uh, which was a real kind of intellectual uh, revelation for me. But you're always going to have something that you believe. And then it's just a question of, okay, what do you actually believe? How does that spirituality fit in? If you sit and you do yoga or meditation or whatever it is, what are you actually trying to get in touch with? 
And then do you build a community around you? And can you use things like the sacraments and the church and stuff to help you grow in it? But the, the thing is, I don't know, it's mostly, I think, a, yeah, I think it's a, a it's a initial reaction to religion, which is like religion just feels a little oppressive yeah. to folks in my generation, which is just like a, it's a, and it doesn't feel spiritual. Like you don't, you don't think of Christianity and you think of this, this beautiful spirituality and contemplative nature, which is so sad because it's so like St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, like the mystics. You, you don't think of that. The first thing you think of when you think of church, you think of your parents taking you to church and making you sit through a, a sermon. Yeah. And, and uh, there's so much that I think is missed there that um, people can get when you bring those two together. Now you're in your late 20s. Yeah. And well, let me ask you, do you think, too, like the church scandals, has that been a big hit for young people today? <laughs> you know, the, um, I mean, the, the first thing that I would say in any, I mean, the church scandals are terrible, and I think they're awful, and, and we talk about them a lot uh, as, a, as a community and, and as we should, and they're the worst thing that I could imagine and bring tears to my eyes whenever I think about all of the terrible stuff that's gone on. But at the same time, I... Um, it's kind of like in, in, in Silicon Valley, you learn a lot of stuff around, uh, like for apps, uh, important things are retention and onboarding or retention and activation. Like how do you get people and how, how do you keep them? And I think when you think about retention, um, what people will tell you is, let's say you have bad retention, so people don't keep using an app or something. And they'll say, okay, well, how do you fix that? Well, there's two ways. One, you could go ask people why they're leaving. And they'll give you a bunch of answers. It cost too much or it uh, didn't have the... They'll give you answers, which are, are helpful to an extent. But the more helpful answer or the more helpful question is to go and ask the people who are retained, the people who do stay, the minority if it is, and say, why did you stay? And if you can figure out why they stayed, then you have a much bigger... And I think when you, when you think about the church that way, you think, yeah, if you ask people, hey, why are you leaving the church? You're going to say things like, you're going to hear a bunch of things like teaching, social, political issues, the scandal, all the stuff that is rational at the front of your mind. But if you go and you look at the people, whether it's millennials or different generations of why are you, like the people who have real deep, who are really deeply religious, why are you there? It's almost always, now there's some people who are super theological and super intellectual, So, uh, uh, but I think the the vast majority of people, at least that I talk to, have these beautiful spiritualities, that these beautiful relationships with the sacraments and with their prayer life, that they just have the church as a home for a relationship with God. And I think that's like the... They're getting fed. Yeah. And so we, we focus a lot as a church, I think, on all the reasons people say that they're leaving the church, but not as much on the reasons that why um, people are staying. And that's, I think, where the real beauty is. Yeah. Let's get back to your story. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, the, uh, so there was a little bit of a, so this college, high school, there was a little bit of a, I tried to, I was trying to figure out what I believed. And at the same time, I was kind of interested in this whole meditation craze that was, that was taking over. And so I started using one of the meditation apps, uh, Headspace, um, which is a, uh, uh, the, a guy was a Buddhist monk, and he, he started an app to teach people this type of meditation. And I, I thought it was this great way to learn uh, meditation because it was just a, it was just you plug in your headphones, you close your eyes, and somebody's there to lead you through it. And it's just ten minutes at home or on your walk or whatever it is, and it's it's a it's a beautiful way to to learn something because it's so approachable and so easy. But and this was weird because I was agnostic, but it always felt like it was just like just the beginning. 
of a spiritual experience, but just stopping right at the, it, my mind would always go towards something Trinitarian or Christian. And, and that was so weird because that wasn't a big part of my life. Um, and at the same time, I was trying to figure out what I believed and I tried some of the theology stuff and I, I heard some really awesome arguments, but I wasn't ever like the, a bright enough theological bulb to crack it. So I would just get convinced by whoever I listened to last. And so prayer was really the one thing that as an engineer, I was, uh, was kind of my, okay, well, I can prove this. Like if I can actually talk to, if I can actually talk to God, then there's probably something there. And if I can't, then that's a, that's a data point at least. Let me ask you, you, you were raised in the church every yeah. Sunday, CCD? Every, yeah. most Sundays. Yeah. My and... mom fought the fight. <laughs> <laughs> was your dad a believer? Was he practicing? You know, my dad would go to church with us, would go to church with us uh -huh. often. And he's a, an incredibly virtuous man. Uh -huh. uh, and I think he's had his own individual faith journey, but he didn't take it as seriously as my mom did. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you started to pray. Yeah, but prayer to me also. So I was kind of doing this meditation thing, but it felt like it was falling short significantly. And then I was trying to pray, but I was just kind of doing the, hey, thanks for stuff, sorry for stuff, help me with stuff. And then just felt like I was listening, which is was useful for me to grow in those virtues. Like I was getting more thankful and I was focusing on what I needed from the day, but it, there was never a second half to the conversation. It never felt like there was a relationship. And so anyway, that was we kind of started asking, hey, is there any way that this like, contemplative meditative thing has any intersection with uh our faith and any priest or brother or sister we talked to which we talked to a ton we're like yeah we've been doing this for two thousand years how do you not know about this and so you know benedictine spirituality franciscan spirituality ignatian spirituality carmelite spirituality uh, lectio divina the examine the rosary all this stuff i mean the only one of those that i had heard of before was the rosary and um I don't know. It, it, I sat down and did a Lectio Divina session and uh, it just totally changed my life. Like I just Googled how to do it and then sat down and tried it. And it, it was just this beautiful combination of uh, peace, like a deep sense of peace with uh, like a struggle for purpose and meaning and a real relationship, like real depth. And do you still remember? It was like a passage of the Bible. Yeah, it was the Lord's Prayer. It was it was yeah. uh, Christ teaching the Lord's Prayer, and the name, the word that stuck out uh, that I meditated on was "hallow," which is the the name of the app, oh. um, which means to make holy. But it was it was this struggle with, you know, okay, what is that? That that's a weird phrase. Hallowed be Thy name. Am I supposed to be the one making His name holy? How am I doing that? Is he supposed to be making my life holy? Am I letting him make my life holy? Am I supposed to be helping other people grow in holiness? How am I? And it was this weird because those are all pretty stressful questions, like existential questions, but it wasn't, it was in this deep sense of, of peace. It was just like, I, I really do have to struggle with this. So anyway, I, start, I started doing Lexio Divina and examines and imaginative prayer and recollection and all these beautiful techniques all the time. And uh, it was kind of this idea of, you know, Headspace and Calm are the secular mindfulness meditation apps that have been super successful and, and super popular. And so it was kind of, hey, uh, I was, um, why can't the same thing be done with, with Catholic contemplative prayer and, and meditation? And so that, and uh, we figured, hey, if, if we build something and only we use it, then maybe we get a little bit closer to heaven. And if a couple other people use it, then um, that'll be great. And so that was kind of the that was the whole journey. And that was maybe two and a half years ago or so for, for my own journey. And it's just been a, it's just been an awesome spiritual 
journey over the last few years. Right. Like I, if you asked me nine years ago what I thought about God, I'd say eh, I'd, I'd, I'd never really thought of, I don't really think about it that seriously. If you asked me six years ago, I'd say eh, I'm probably not. I probably don't believe him. If you asked me like five years ago, four or five years ago, I'd say, okay, I could see a world where maybe there's something there, but I'm not convinced. And if you ask me today, it's like, I don't know, it's it's like there's a, it would be the same as convincing me my wife doesn't exist, which is like, okay, maybe we're all in this computer simulation. There would be maybe an interesting uh, philosophical debate there, but it's like there's a real thing there that I have a relationship with. And so it's like a, it's uh, it's really hard to anyway. It's just a beautiful experience, but I'm sure, I'm sure you can relate. <laughs> well, let's yeah, let's talk about about how to pray and maybe instruction you give on the app and things. And I think that's a great point about you know growing up in the church and not having a, an idea about how to pray. Yeah. So let's talk about Alexio Divina first. What what are some of just the steps that you do when you sit down to do? Yeah, I mean. It's really pretty easy, and the nice part about the app is you don't have to learn anything or uh, uh, memorize anything or any of that. You just you just press play and listen to a guide kind of guide you through it. It'll he'll leave you and he or she. You can pick which which uh, voice you want, but they'll lead you through. You know, the first is okay. Take a few deep breaths. Just kind of sit down and uh, let yourself kind of settle, and then um, very quickly. Okay, let's ask God for help for this session. Ask him to be here with us. And then what we're going to do is read a passage from Scripture, usually only two or three verses, uh, really slowly. I'm going to read it once. Just let it sit with you. You are the light of the world. The city built on a hill cannot be hid. And then I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Just let it sit with you. And then I'm going to read it again and try to listen for either an image or a phrase or a word that sticks out, that jumps out, that you think the Holy Spirit is calling you towards. You are the light of the world. This city built on a hill cannot be hid. Maybe it's light. The, the beautiful part is this is only whatever, 12 words, but everybody will pick a different one. And so a city or a hill or you. And so you sit and you hold that word um, and you use it to collect yourself and you use it to kind of let it sink in. And you do that for a couple minutes. And then you say, okay, what do you think God is trying to say to you through this and share with him what's on your heart? Start a real dialogue with God. And so share, um, talk to him. And so you do that for a couple minutes. And then at the end, it's okay, just kind of listen now. Just sit for the rest of the time and just a couple more minutes at the end, but just sit and just listen. And you don't have to, maybe he's not saying anything, just rest with him, but whatever it is, just be in his presence and then close with a, uh, our Father, and and then uh, uh, sign of the cross, and and that's it. And and we have a little journal after, because try to push people to, you know, prayer without kind of bringing it into your life is is uh, is uh, the the point of prayer is to to bring fruit into your life. And so you have a little journal that says, okay, what did, what were your takeaways? How are you going to bring this into your life? So that's kind of Alexia Divina session, which. Um, you know, for me is really powerful, we, but it's only one of, you know, five or six types of types of techniques that we have on the app, which are, you know, the rosary everybody knows, but there's the examine and imaginative prayer. And, uh, Let's talk about really those two, things. the examine and imaginative prayer. Yeah, well, the examine, and again, my, my voice is... Um, I would not want to be led through prayer in my own voice, so you should the downloading the app, and we have better better guides to to lead you through it. But the examine is very similar. Kind of take a take a seat, take a breath, ask God for help. Um, now 
look forward, and there's a couple different ways you can do this. You can do it over a day or over a week or whatever it is, and you can do it focused on a theme. But it's uh, look forward over, uh, or look uh, backwards over your day. What are a couple things that you're grateful for? And kind of give thanks to God for those. And then you spend maybe a minute doing that, and then you jump into a review of your day, kind of like you're replaying a movie in your mind. Uh, and this is an Ignatian exercise. And the real point of it is kind of discernment of uh, spirits, but uh, trying to figure out where God is acting in your life. And so you kind of review your day with that um, in your head, which is where do I think God is um, pushing or pulling me? Where did I respond? Where didn't I? As you go throughout your life, uh, throughout your day. And then at the end of the day, it's a minute on, okay, what do you think you could have done better? What are you sorry for? What do you, what do you need help with? Um, and then you look forward to tomorrow and you say, okay, play forward tomorrow. What are you excited about? And all of this is supposed to be in a, in a conversation with God. And then it's again, closing with an Our Father. Imaginative prayer can be a lot of stuff, uh, which is the beautiful part about imaginative prayer. It can be Lexia Divina, so you, you, you read through scripture and you imagine yourself in the scene, or it could be something kind of similar to as St. Teresa of Avila, Carmelite tradition, where um, kind of the interior castle, where you, you imagine yourself um, in a place of peace. It starts with the same thing that, that everything else does, where you, you settle, take a few deep breaths, and then ask God for help, and then imagine yourself in a it can be anywhere, but a, a place like your your favorite place. For me, it was, there's a, a beach we went to for my honeymoon. So it's like, imagine yourself there, the waves, and then imagine Christ next to you there and sit with him there for a bit. Um, and then start talking to him and share what's on your heart and listen for what he says. And, and what would he say to you? What does he say to you? And, um, and then at the end again, rest in rest in silence, just in just in the presence with with him. And so, um, and there's a bunch of different ways to to do that. You could focus on a, a phrase like "Come, Holy Spirit." But um, but yeah, there's a the the point. One of the things that we're most excited about that we found out early on is we thought there would be like one right answer. Like there would be everybody would love the examine or everybody would love Lexio Divina or everyone would love imaginative prayer or meditation or Carmelite tradition or whatever it is. And everybody does love them, but in different ways and they're right for different people at different points and there's not one right answer. And so the, the real kind of exciting part for us is the diversity that comes with Catholic spirituality and the tradition of the church and the saints and bringing that to people in a, in a way that's accessible um, that they can you know, choose what works for them and, and whichever um, seasons of their life. Right. And do you all have children? Uh, I do not yet, but it's uh, possibly changing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one, I wanted to talk to you as well about that because you, a layman, having to be out there in the big bad world working and <laughs> married, um, do you have, is it difficult for you to carve out time for prayer? Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, it's it that <laughs> there's there's a few answers to this. One is yeah, it's the hardest thing about praying is just to sit and give time to God. It's uh, especially for people busy and real in in jobs and relationships and family, and so it's it's really hard. And what I think is what a lot of people have found useful from the app is uh, helping it to fit into different aspects of your life. So you're sitting with a coffee in the morning and you just kind of drink a coffee and stare at the wall. Maybe you could listen to a rosary as you do that. Or on your way to work, you meditate with uh, with an imaginative prayer. Or on your way back from work, you uh, reflect with an examine. 
Um, or as you fall asleep in bed, you listen to night prayer or whatever it is. And so that I think is, is one of the big aspects for me personally, it's, um, it's like the best part about starting a prayer app is, um, you get to test it. Yeah. Well, you get to test it, but also, um, if you, if you aren't doing it every day, like you are just the epitome of, of a hypocrite. And so it's like, I couldn't live with myself every day if I wasn't praying. And so it's like, okay, you're asking people to pray and you're not like you. So anyway, it's just a, it's an incredibly powerful forcing mechanism. But the last thing is. In ministry, you have to learn to, it, to enter into the duplicity of your own. <laughs> <laughs> but the, um, I mean, I think I, I forget, I, I really want to quote this properly because I forget who said it, but it was, um, you know, in the days, it, uh, if this is not my quote, but in the days when I don't have time for a rosary is when I need to do two. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, um, or prayer or anything, but it it's crazy how much of your life God can help you with. And you think like, oh, I've got all these things to do today and all these relationships and all these things to manage. And uh, the 10, I mean, our, our app starts as short as five minutes. You can even do one minute sessions, but like the 10 minutes that you give to God each day, he can do so much more with that uh, and make your day so much shorter and easier. And it's not like a, you don't, you don't earn things from prayer, but it's, it's uh, more important when you have more things to do to give time to God. So um, that's at least what I found in, in the short couple of years. Yeah. I was recently just reading a meditation book in Sinu Yesu, eight, like reflections from our Lord given to this priest and mm-hmm. he he talked about yeah asking God for help and like living by his grace that we can accomplish a lot more and even efficiently maybe we'd say in America yeah but yeah not operating by our own power and effort you know and, and the other thing that struck me the other day I was reading in the book about just like you know ask God for some help you know I in religious life we have set times of prayer and we yep. can have a lot of quantity but then, you know, have I really asked God for help with this issue? You know, and just simply ask for help or whatever it is, inspiration. And sometimes that part's missed, you know, yeah. in our prayer lives. So. Yeah, and I think there's there's a bunch of people who struggle with a bunch of different aspects of prayer. And one of the things that, like that, the imaginative prayer of, of placing yourself in a, in a place that you love with Christ, that it's just a lot easier to open up and share and uh, sometimes it can be hard because it's like, oh, well, <laughs> you're God. Like, I'm not, I can't ask for that because that's not great. Or like, I, that's not that big of an issue. I know that I don't, I know yeah. that that's not. But like just sharing, like, I do actually really want, you know, to be able to find this place for dinner reservations. Like, I, I do actually really want this. And uh, just sharing with him, even if it's small or whatever, but just, just uh, being open with him. And then being astounded at, like, even in the little things, how much he can, how much he can provide and, and come through. Yeah, and I think that's in your own story. Um, yeah, that was an interesting proof of God. If God really exists, we should be able to talk to him if he's a personal God, that you actually felt some response in your Lexio Divina, and it just changed everything. And um, I one time I was, I was led in prayer. There's a group of us, and this, this guy was leading like this imaginative, meditation mm-hmm. and the guy was half nuts himself you know? <laughs> but he he just he said you know imagine a beach and um you know if that's what you like beach and and 
that's what I did. And I just imagined Jesus in his Jesus robes, you know, <laughs> meeting me on the beach and just giving me kind of a, a man hug, huh. you know? And it was just, it was like, you know, it was, it was like, that's what I kind of wanted. I wanted that kind of encouragement. I'm with you, whatever. And then just to do a simple little prayer with that was just so powerful. Yeah. Because Jesus really does love us. Yeah. And and why not say, this is the God I want. This is what I need God to do for me, you know. Yeah. And he, he fulfills all things. Yeah. You know? And just realizing that he's there inside is just such a cool... I mean, I was, you know, just before I was doing this, the, the show just before this, I was trying to pray and uh, I went back to my place and I was like, ah, you know, I want to make sure that I, that I um, get the message that I'm supposed to get out and say the right things and all this stuff. And he was just sitting there and he was just like, look, man, I'm here. Like, I'm right here next to you. Right. Don't worry about it. It's right. not you. It's like, I'm right here. Look at me. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. And it was just such a, it's such a peaceful feeling. Um, so either I'm crazy or there's something there. That's what I've decided. <laughs> Let me ask you real quick about, um, you were out, you're living in Menlo Park, which yeah. is the heart of Silicon Valley. You got Apple, Google, Facebook all around you. And you're in like Stanford's right there. And, uh, how would you characterize, and you worked in this field a little bit in developing your app. How? Because I, I we were out there for the Walk for Life, and we went mm -hmm. to some of these campuses, recorded some videos and stuff, and um, and it just kind of hit me, man, the power, like this little piece of geography has in influencing the culture. Yeah, you know, Apple's valued at a trillion dollars. Who knows what Google yeah. has? I mean, they have like huge impact on their culture, and how how do they see the world? Do you think? And what is what's the the mindset out there and how could this help them it's a great question i mean it's i <laughs> i've never worked at apple google facebook youtube any of those but um i mean you're right they're incredibly powerful and they influence so much of what we think and what we find out and the information we have and the information that we share um you know i i think genuinely they are uh, I mean, there's there's obviously the hunger for capitalism and growth and uh, trying to be bigger and better. And that fuels a lot of the issues that Facebook had in the past, where it's just trying to optimize for keeping you on that screen as long as it possibly can to show you another ad. And that's tough. At the same time, you know, they are good people. Like, like they, they, they don't, they're not... Um, they're trying to do good, I think, when they when they talk about it. And you can listen to Google trying to say, hey, we're going to give people information, which is awesome. Like, we do get a lot of really valuable information. Or Facebook, we're going to connect people and bring people together in a way that they haven't been before in it. Um, you know, all that stuff is, is awesome. But then at the same time, they have this, it's this interesting understanding of, they know that it's, like, uh, Facebook employees won't let their kids use Facebook or Google, it, 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 YouTube, and it's like, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting, whereas all of you know, the rest of the world's kids are addicted to these social media apps, Snapchat, whatever it is. And so it's like, oh, that's weird that we're, <laughs> you're not letting your own kids use social media, but, but then that's your job is to spread it to as many kids as possible. But I think, you know, um, I think there's a real hunger for 
all of the things that um, religion brings. And we talked about the spirituality thing, which I think is the most um, poignant need where people are really wanting to do this meditation or this yoga thing or whatever it is, or really get immersed in nature. And I think it is a search for spirituality. And I do think it, it, it is a search for that. And, and it's just not, I, I talk to a bunch of people out there and I ask a bunch of people who meditate using secular meditation or whatever it is. And I say, hey, when you meditate, you're alone in a room. Is there something else there? And almost always for someone who's meditated for more than two years, they will say, yes, there's something else there. And I was like, okay, how does that, that should change your life. <laughs> that is mind blowing. What is yeah. it? What yeah. else is there? Yeah. And so I do think there's, but then you've also got the hunger for community. So you've got like yeah. soul cycle is a huge deal. You've what, got the uh, soul cycle. <laughs> oh, you're uh, you're blessed enough to not not have the not have the soul cycle as a like cult like uh, cycling workout class where oh, it's uh, yeah spin yeah. class and uh, and so people go to it all the time and it's it's where you find your community you like get yeah. together as a community you work out really hard and they do actually have this weird belief system kind of <laughs> snuck into it and so it's a little strange but. You know, and then I think there's also the intellectual hunger, like there always has been. But it's it's just like a, it's this weird. Um, nobody thinks of religion as any of those things, which is which is so sad. But it's like, oh, but it's got this beautiful intellectual side. It's got this awesome community, which people typically do. But at this point, it's not their generation's community, so it's it's a little bit different. But then it's the spirituality too that I think is so so beautiful. And so that's like with with the Hallow app. I think for us, and we built, you know, there's there's stuff for people who are a, a bunch of religious priests, brothers, sisters, monks use it all the time. And so there's stuff for um, people who have been exposed to the spiritual life for a lot longer. But the goal of it, really, the intro session is just to just to try to grab some of those people who maybe are familiar with Christianity but are interested in this spirituality and are saying, okay, well, why don't you try to search for that spirituality within the context of of God and within within the context of the Trinity. Yeah, I'm I'm amazed at that. When I, I hear yeah about this hunger for meditation, everything in the secular world today. I I mean I didn't have that. I was always pretty much a Sunday Catholic, but um, yeah, I'm, it always kind of surprises me, and that you hear it a lot in the secular world. Yeah, this hunger for meditation. It almost it seems like a new openness. Um, to religion in some sense because I mean it used to be like some people felt wounded by the church and harshness and whatever it was too constrictive or too moralistic or something and maybe the gospel was presented that ways and but now it's like we're beyond that where people don't know anything about the Catholic Church (laughs) there's like a new openness sometimes well I think I think it is I think there is and you can see the need like my my little sister is a big Snapchat. She's in. She's in. She's just graduating from high school now. She's a big Snapchat, um, Instagram uh, person, and she will quite literally get within a minute of turning her phone over, fifty notifications on her phone. Mm-hmm. As she's using it, she gets like three every second, and so it's just. I mean, as I look at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much stress and anxiety associated with that. Yeah. And there really is. And it's, it's really not, um, not healthy. And so there is, this, there is this, I think 
there's this opening you hit on a little bit with the theology, which is like, hey, there's this beautiful intellectual tradition, which I think a bunch of people, um, uh, EWTN, EWTN, Bishop Barron, Father Mike, a bunch yeah. of people are doing really great work on evangelizing. But I think there's this, there's also this other opening, which that kind of is a search for truth. And I think there's this other opening, um, which is this search for peace that I, uh, that I think you can really only find in God. And yeah. that's, I think, really where, um, really where we think you can you can bring people back. At least how I was brought back yeah. to the faith. That that would be the difference. Yeah, I mean, in the culture today, it's so fast-paced, energetic, uh, so stimulating the media and everything, the food. <laughs> I mean, they are so insulting sugar is good. at us to stimulate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a search for peace that uh, that the culture hungers so much, and I. I mean, I feel that sometimes I'll just, I'll go over to my mom's house, have dinner, and I don't want to hear news on the television. I just, oh I'll, gosh, it's so stressful. I know, I know. I just uh, like to play some classical music in the yeah. background and I can, I can yeah. have that kind of peace, but. Uh, yeah. So it's the Hallow app. Uh, yeah. We recommend it. Get out there, start praying everybody and uh, keep up the good work, Alex. And thanks for sharing it with us. Thanks yeah. so much for having me on. Really appreciate it.